0: Again, take your Bibles and turn with us to the book of Luke chapter 23, book of Luke chapter 23, and we'll begin reading with verse 32. This morning, we are taking the Lord's Supper, and to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, we need to look at the key event, and that is the cross. And so the book of Luke chapter 23, and we'll begin reading with verse 32. beginning in verse 32 it says two others also who were criminals were being led away to be put to death with him and when they came to the place called the skull where they crucified him and the criminals one on the right and the other on the left but jesus was saying father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing and they cast lots dividing up his garments among themselves And the people stood by, looking on, and even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now, there was an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanging there with him was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him, said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence and condemnation? For we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom." And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds who came together for the spect- spectacle when they observed what had happened began to return, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee were standing at a distance, seeing these things. Pray with me. Father, we pray you take these words and help us to understand the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 1873, the English artist, William Holden Hunt, painted this fascinating painting entitled The Shadow of Death. The original painting is in Manchester, England. In the picture, we find Jesus, a young man working in a carpenter shop. He is tired and he takes a break. And so he stands up and he is stretching his arms because he's tired. And the shadow behind him is Jesus on the cross. In the painting, also, you see Mary to, to the left. She's kneeling, looking at, apparently, the gifts of the Magi. And then she's looking at the shadow, realizing that Jesus is going to go to the cross. The painting is filled with symbolism. There's a star-shaped aperture of the window, looking, reminding us of the star that sent the wise men to Jesus. At the feet of Jesus, you see the wood shavings and the carpenter tools reminding us that he was going to go to a cross and the nails and the hammer. In the right-hand corner, there's this bright red headdress reminding us of the crown of thorns he was going to wear. It's really an amazing painting, amazing picture. And the artist said he did it because Jesus lived under the shadow of the cross his entire life. His whole life was under the shadow of the cross. And before he went to the cross, he had the Passover meal with the disciples. And Jesus turned that meal into what we call the Lord's Supper, what we call communion. And that meal was under the shadow of the cross. Now, for the Jews, the Passover meal was a very special meal. It was a very special time. It was time to remember things. It was a teaching moment. So, for example, they remember that God is the only true God. This was a time they remember it was God who's so powerful and mighty. He was the one who brought them out of slavery in Egypt. They've been slaves for 400 years. They prayed to God, and God was the one who rescued them. The Egyptian gods were nothing compared to their God. It's also a time to remember that God is one who hears prayers. I mean, they've been praying for 400 years, Lord, rescue us. And God heard their prayers, and at the right time, at the right moment, He rescued them. And during this time, the Passover meal, they teach their family, God hears our prayers. It's also a time they would remember that, that God is the one who delivers his people. During the Passover meal, they have this moment to teach and remember that God was one who will deliver his people. He delivered them from the Egyptians. Each one of those plagues that in the Old Testament was an attack on the Egyptian God. God was the one who did it. And they remember how God delivered them through the desert. During day, by cloud, and by night, by fire. And they would remember this as they took the Passover meal. This morning, as we take the Lord's Supper, we remember. We remember that God is is only the true God. The only true God. His name is Jesus. He's the Son of God. He came here. He lived this perfect life. He died on a cross for us, and the third day arose. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So this meal reminds us he's the true God. This meal reminds us that he is the one who hears our prayers. You see, because in sin, we are all slaves to sin. All of us are sinners, and we cry out to God, God, help us, rescue us, save us. And God heard our prayers, and he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Also, we remember that God is the one who delivers his people. On that cross, Jesus delivered us. He's the only way to be delivered. We have an issue, we have a sin problem, and Jesus delivered us. You see, the greatest event in history was not the birth of Christ. The greatest event was the crucifixion and the resurrection. You take away the cross, you take away the resurrection, we don't have salvation. We don't have deliverance. So this morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper, remember, we live under the shadow of the cross, even today. And how you view Jesus really determines how you understand what we're about to do this morning. So very briefly, let me give you three ways to remember or think about Jesus. First of all, he is the lamb. He is the lamb. In the Gospel of John, it was John the Baptist who saw Jesus and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Peter, right in 1 Peter, says the precious blood of Christ is a lamb without blemish or defect. In the book of Revelation, 28 times, Jesus is referred to as a lamb, a conquering figure, and as a sacrifice, both of those together. I know that's difficult for us to understand this concept of a sacrifice, but Jesus died for us. He was the lamb. He died for us. We take it personally. He died for the sins of the world, but He died for you and for me. Not only is He the lamb, He's the life. Jesus is the life. The entire New Testament proclaims that Jesus is life. And again, we see this, especially in the book of John. 36 times in the book, he uses that uh, word to describe the work of Jesus. 17 times he refers to Jesus as eternal life. For example, John chapter 5, verse 24, he says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He is crossed over from death to life. John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life more abundantly. John 11, verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Jesus is the life. And finally, he's the Lord. He's the Lord. By the way, that was the favorite title of Jesus of the early church. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. This morning, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, He is our Lord. Now that doesn't mean that it's just a ritual that we're about to go through. That doesn't mean this is just some religious event. That doesn't mean we just come one, one time a week, give us, give God an hour, and that's it. No, he is the Lord 24-7. He is the Lord but he's the living Lord. After the assassination of President Kennedy, his wife Jackie called for an eternal flame to be created at his grave. A temporary device was used so she could light it on his burial, November 25th, 1963. Two weeks later, a group of Catholic school children were visiting the memorial, and the visit included some holy water, and they took the flame out As one historian writes, he said, Luckily, one of the grave guards happened to be a smoker, so he used his cigarette lighter to reignite the memorial. Four years later, 1967, the the permanent memorial was created. A year later, rain and wind took the light out. By 2013, finally, it went through an upgrade. And now, if you go there, you'll see that the memorial has a constantly flashing electric spark that will reignite if it goes out. And they said, the reality, this eternal flame is not eternal at all. But today, we're celebrating the only thing that's eternal, the eternal flame that never fades, that never flickers, that never goes out. His name is Jesus, and he's eternal. And he died for us so that we could spend eternity with him because he's the living Lord. Pray with me. Our Father, prepare our hearts for what we are about to do. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes the first description we have of the Lord's Supper. Listen to what he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat the bread and the drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. And for this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. For if we judge ourselves rightly, we will not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. There's two requirements for the Lord's Supper. First requirement needs to be that you have given your life to Christ in a personal manner. This is for believers. There needs to be that time in your life when you personally ask Jesus into your life. The second requirement, according to the Apostle Paul, is that we do not do this in an unworthy manner. This is what he means. We are not to take the Lord's Supper if there's an unconfessed sin in our lives that we know about and we won't confess it. If God has laid something on your life that you know is sin and you won't repent and you refuse the bible says don't take the lord's supper there's a strong strong warning about doing this in an unworthy manner so this is only for believers and only those who recognize in their life there's no unconfessed sin this time i ask you to bow your heads privately and pray if there's a sin in your life that god has laid on your heart maybe in the last few days or maybe years ago that you've never confessed Will you confess it privately to him this morning? Father, we ask you to examine our hearts and show us if there's anything, Father, any sin we have not dealt with, forgive us. Forgive us, Father, for unforgiveness. If there's someone we haven't forgiven, Father, forgive us. Father, forgive us of our greed when we think more of stuff than you. Father, forgive us of lust. Father, forgive us of racism. Father, forgive us of pride. Father, forgive us when we don't serve you. Father, forgive us when we put you second on Sunday. Father, forgive us when we don't pray. Father, forgive us when we don't witness. Father, forgive us when you show us what we need to do to serve you and we refuse for whatever reason we may have is not good. Thank you, Father, for forgiving us of our sins. Let us take the Lord's Supper this morning in a worthy manner. In Jesus' name, amen. This represents the body of our Lord Jesus. It represents his ministry here. It reminds us why he came, so that we could have forgiveness. One of the most fascinating people is Corey Ten Boone. She endured the Nazi concentration camp with her sister. She faced hunger, sorrow, pain, humiliation, along with her sister. Her sister died in the concentration camp. Corrie Timboom, Boom, though, her faith kept her strong. After she was released, after the end of the war... Corrie went around the world talking about the forgiveness of Christ. And then one day, she was speaking in Munich, Germany. And after the meeting, this man came up and extended his hand. He said, God's grace is good, isn't it? And she froze because the man's face had been imprinted in her brain for years. He was one of the SS guards at the concentration camp. But not only that, he was the worst guard. He was the worst of them all. And Corey Tim Boom said she could not move." She said, "I thought I had forgiven. I thought I had pushed it away." But here he was, standing in front of me, with his arms hand outstretched. She said, "I could not move. I did not want to touch him because of everything he did to me and my sister." And she prayed. God, I need grace to forgive. And then she reached out her hand, shook his hand, and she said, God's grace is good indeed. She said later, only through the power of Jesus could she have done that. Because Jesus had forgiven her, and through him she could forgive anyone. That's why Jesus came, to forgive us. And because of that, we can forgive anyone. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the cross, how Jesus died for us, how through him we have forgiveness. And Father, because we have forgiveness in Christ, we can forgive anyone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you.
1: God, I give you what I can today scattered ashes that I hid away. I lay it all at your feet. From the corners of my deepest shame, the empty places where I've worn your name, show kingdoms fall once and for all once and for all there is victory in my Savior's loss in the crimson flowing from the cross pour over me
0: This represents the blood of our Lord Jesus that was shed for us. On December 5th, 2012, Dr. Philip Joseph went home from the medical clinic and he was taken captive, cap- and t- taken to captivity by the Taliban in Afghanistan. For four days, they held him, and he said later he thought he was going to die. And then one night, he heard gunfire and English voices, and he was rescued by the SEAL team. He said they put him on the helicopter, and they flew out. Lying on the gurney next to him was Nicholas Chekhew, a member of the Team 6 Nicholas was the first person to enter the room. He was also the person who died in a hell of gunfire. Dr. Joseph said, as he looked at Nicky, as he looked at Czech Hugh, he realized he gave his life for me. And Dr. Joseph said, at that moment, I felt like I had been Reborn. Jesus did die for us. He died on a cross 2,000 years ago so that we can be reborn, reborn spiritually. Jesus died on that cross, shedding his blood, so that all of us will have that opportunity to be reborn. And this reminds us of what Jesus did. Pray with me. A Father in heaven. We thank you that Jesus died for us. We did not earn it, nor did we deserve it. But Father, we accept it by grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Jesus said, this is my blood which is shed for you. In Matthew's account of the Lord's Supper, you notice that after they had finished, they sung a hymn and left. Well, we want to sing one more song, and that is a song of invitation, because it's very possible this morning, maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, you have never given your life to Christ, and today you understand how Jesus died on a cross for you. Will you give your life to Christ? If you're watching online and you would like to give your life to Christ, if you would text the word today. Today at 270-398-5005, and a minister will give you a call today to talk to you about that important decision. If you're here this morning and you'd like to give your life to Christ or maybe join this church or maybe answering the call to missions or ministry, whatever it may be, will you take this time, this moment that God has given to you to be obedient as we begin singing and just come to me or one of the ministers at the front. Would you stand as we pray? Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for all that you do. We pray now, Father, that we'll hear your voice, that, Father, will respond to where you're leading us. Father, for those people who are watching online or those people who are here today, let them respond as you call. In Jesus' name, amen.